Good morning once again. Happy New Year once again. Once again, my name is Benjamin, one of your pastors here. New year and new series. New series. Okay, let's start talking about progress. First of all, that probably either scares you or excites you, right? It's kind of one or the other when you talk about progress, like, yeah, progress, or what do you mean by progress? Well, we're going to talk about exactly that. What do we mean when we talk about progress? So first, here's a couple of pictures. Do we have the pictures? When you see those pictures, do you know what those pictures are from? Do you know what story that's from? The Pilgrim's Progress. Do you know that old tale? It, and it is old, right? It's really old. This was written in the 1600s by John Bunyan. And they say that it's probably the most influential book about Christian spirituality that has been written in English. And don't say, what about the Bible? Because that wasn't written in English. This was written in English originally, right? So this, they say, was probably the most influential Christian book ever that was penned in English. And if you're not familiar with the book, definitely recommend reading this book. Um, so it's, it's an allegory that becomes very clear very fast that this, everything represents something. Um, but it tells the story of a, a guy named Christian and, uh, right, it was a little on the nose, but that's okay. Um, uh, Christian, he's a pilgrim, and he's journeying through life toward the celestial city. I wonder if you can figure out what that represents. Um, and he faces these epic challenges, and he grows in his faith as he travels. And he faces all kinds of, of challenging characters, such as, and these are character names, such as Obstinate and Pliable and Mr. Worldly Wiseman and Ignorance, and of course, Apollyon, the epic dragon-esque figure. And there are helpful characters too, like Evangelist, and Faithful, and Goodwill, who is the gatekeeper who represents Jesus himself, I think. So, and then there are these places, there's all these places on his journey, like the Wicked Gate, not the Wicked Gate, the Wicked Gate, the Slew of Despond, the Valley of Humiliation, and the Celestial City. So as, like I said, as on the nose as this allegory is at face value, I think, I think it does an amazing job, though, of taking an honest look at the commingled reality of the life of faith. That all of the temptations and struggles and heartaches and, and joys and victories of life lived as a follower of Jesus, they're in this story. They're in there. And John Bunyan did, I think, what great fantasy writers ironically do a lot of times, which is he helps us better understand our present reality through the lens of the fantastic, right? And in the case of the Pilgrim's Progress, the reality of what it looks like to progress through a life of faith with Jesus. But like, like the video said, do we really believe that progress is actually possible? Do we really believe that we can really change 
can the elusive idea of progress itself actually even become an idol? Or could we become, become so comfortable and contemplative that we lose sight of the possibilities of our own becoming? Or could we become so revolutionary that we lose our center of belovedness? These are the kinds of questions we're going to engage and dive into in this important series called Progress. But let's start by refining what it is we mean when we say progress, at least in this series for our purposes over the next month or so. Because a word like progress can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Like I said, it could feel scary or exciting. So here's what we mean when we talk about progress in this series. By progress, here's what we mean. The measurable growth that occurs as we become our truest selves in Jesus. So look at that. Let that sink in. The measurable growth that occurs as we become our truest selves in Jesus. Now we could break that down and even find a few pitfalls in that in that definition, couldn't we? Like maybe that word measurable, maybe that word measurable, that word can freak me out too. Um, if you're a teacher, you might have shuddered when you heard the word measurable. But here's what I mean. Our metrics bad, our numbers bad or wrong, is analyzing data to compare where you were and where you are inherently bad? No, of course not. Of course not. But at Element, we've never been too huge on numbers. We don't have one of those plaques by the door with the, how much people gave last week and how many people came so we can track, you know, are we doing good or bad? Um, we don't really have that. So we tend to trust in, in, in God's kingdom economy around here. So while metrics are okay to measure progress, just let me say this. Spiritual progress is often measured differently. Spiritual progress is often measured differently. The year was 1994. Weezer had just released their Blue Album. Nelson Mandela was elected president of South Africa. And a little musical called Rent was gaining steam in New York. And in this musical Rent, there's this very famous song from the show called Seasons of Love, right? Seasons of Love. And the song asks, how do we measure a year? How do we measure a year in the life of this community, this friendship group that these people had? And the verse says, in daylights, in sunsets, in midnights, in cups of coffee, in inches, in miles, and laughter and strife. And then the chorus, of course, says, how about love? Measure in love. Again, spiritual progress is often measured differently. So back to our working definition of progress. The measurable growth that occurs as we become our truest selves in Jesus. So measurable growth, that can mean a lot of things, and there could be a lot of ways to do that. And we're going to get into that over the next few weeks in this series. But to further clarify, let me tell you what I don't mean by measurable growth. 
I'm not talking about measurement so that we can compare ourselves to others for the sake of our pride or our shame. Not that. I'm not talking about measurement so that we can compare ourselves to some idolized version of us that we've concocted, an idol of arrival, of who we think we should be. No, not that either. Not that either. I'm talking about, and see if this resonates with you, I'm talking about when we look at where we were then and where we are now, and then we know in our hearts that we've grown, that we have made progress thanks to the living and transforming presence of Christ in us. That's the measurable growth of progress we're talking about. You know, in the New Testament, uh, there's a metaphor of a tree bearing fruit. It's used a lot, right? A tree bearing fruit to illustrate this idea of measurable growth and progress. For example, in Matthew 7, Jesus is talking about recognizing false prophets. So let's go to Matthew 7 in the ESV, starting in verse 15. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Now, if you're anything like I was growing up in my faith tradition, passages like that can make you a little, how do you say, fearful. Or maybe it's just me and Enneagram 6 up here. But um, kind of like, oh my gosh, what if I'm an inherently bad bush? Then I'll just make bad fruit and burn in hell forever. Uh, end of story. But to that, my slightly, slightly more mature self would say, calm down. Jesus loves you and he calls you good through his grace. Shh, calm down. And also slow down. Right? Read slower, read deeper, and without pressure. Which, by the way, take that with you. If you read something in the Bible that you're like, oh, what is that? That feels uncomfortable or harsh. Or, That's okay. It's okay. Calm down. Read slower and deeper and without pressure. Because then you can find the subtext that you're missing because your emotions got triggered, you know, such as this larger truth. A tree can only produce its own kind of fruit. A tree can only produce its own kind of fruit. You can't get figs from a thorn bush, he said. Or to put it in Florida terms, you can't get strawberries from an orange tree. Can't do it. There's no need to fear here, church. And let me just stop and say this. If this whole concept so far of progress is bringing up fear in you, I understand that and it's okay. But fear is not how we're going to continue into this journey of understanding and applying these truths about progress. So I invite you to lay that down because there's no need to fear because if you're a follower of Jesus, he's made you a good tree and you will bear good fruit 
Fruit like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But that doesn't let us off the hook because we can't just be contemplatives who never act on our sacred truths. And we can't just be revolutionaries who never allow ourselves to be rooted deep in the nature of Christ either. Because here you go, church. We are to participate in the cultivating of our good fruit. Here's a parable for you. This is one of my favorite ones from Luke 13. And then uh, verse 6. And then he, Jesus, told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Verse 8, Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So what about the times when we look at our tree and see no fruit? No evidence of progress. Those times can be pretty convincing to us that we have not actually made progress. Those times are hard because sometimes it feels like you're relearning something, but for the first time all over again. Maybe it's trust or patience. Those are things that we tend to feel like, haven't I made some progress in being more patient or trusting when things are scary or hard. But friends, what was the gardener going to do to this tree? He said he was going to give it time, and he was going to till the soil, and he was going to add fertilizer. And now, when you go to the Greek word for fertilizer right there, the word is copria. Do you know what copria means? It means manure. It's in the Greek. I'm not making this up. Fertilizer. And some translations go ahead and just say manure. And kids, if you don't know what manure is, that means poo, okay? So this, oh, this is the Bible, okay? All right. Um, he's going to add manure to the tree and till up the soil and mix it around. And so often is the case with a life of faith. The irony abounds here, right? I want you to see here that many times it's when we feel like there's been no progress, that that's when we need to be fertilized. And sometimes a fertilizer can be awful, copria, manure. The losses, the failures, the tragedies, even the sins, the mistakes. But what if the stuff that stinks can be the stuff that prepares us to bear the good fruit? To end up with some evidence of progress. The stuff that stinks can be the stuff that we need to embrace so that we can make the progress we want to make. Because maybe there's something else in this parable for us in the discussion about progress. Maybe to turn this gym 
just for a second. Maybe sometimes we don't see the progress we want to see because we aren't choosing to allow the tilling of the soil and fertilizing to take place in our lives. Maybe sometimes we're expecting the fruit without the fertilizer. Maybe sometimes we're expecting the progress without the faithfulness. Let's go to Paul's letter to the Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Pause. This is a letter, right? It's not saying all the Gentiles of the whole world. He's talking about these people in Ephesus. 18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Okay. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to, uh, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as, here you go, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, here you go, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Some of you may have, may have felt a little bitty red, religious red flag when I gave you that definition of progress, measurable growth that occurs as we become our truest selves in Jesus. Aren't we supposed to become like Jesus? Another great irony here. Verse 24, it said, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. You see, when we make that spiritual progress, we're becoming our truest selves in Jesus. We're becoming the me I was created to be. Do people change? That's a big question that a lot of people ask. And my answer is no, people don't change. They only ever become more of who they were created to be. It's not that we're changing. It's that we're returning to the essence of image bearers of God in us. The Benjamin I was created to be. Becoming the truest self in Christ Jesus. So, Verse 21 and 22, it said, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self. And then it said, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. How do we progress toward measurable growth? Well, that's how. Becoming who, we're, we, who we were created to be in Jesus. The image bearers of God, our minds being renewed by faithfully abiding with him, abiding in him, faithfully abiding in the word of God, who is Jesus, and faithfully abiding in the Bible that he's given us. So, my friends, is measurable progress possible? 
progress that we can see and say and celebrate? Yes, absolutely, it is possible. We belong to Jesus, and though it will certainly take time, and it will take trials, and it will take trust, we will bear the fruit of progress. It will take time and trials and trust, but we will bear the fruit of progress. I'm going to go ahead and bring the band back up, and we're going to do a little exercise together, a little bit of um, a little bit of refre- reflection and prayer together. Okay, so in this series over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four different metaphors to talk about these ideas of progress. We're going to talk about the coil, the cave the clay, and the race. These four metaphors will be sort of our window into the rest of this discussion. So, but for now, we're going to spend a few moments, like I said, in some reflection and prayer. So there's a prayer that I've shared with you before that has become a bit of a mantra for me in the past few years, and it goes like this. Jesus, let me see by your light, and let me rest in your mercy. And let me become through your grace. I am beloved. And that prayer I carry with me all the time for the past few years. So we're going to use this prayer line by line today to reflect and pray. And I want you to really engage this, to really engage this, to just take a minute. Kids, adults, Charlie, everyone just take a minute and really engage this and really focus. So. Jesus, let me see by your light. So what we're saying by that here is show me what progress you're leading me toward. So I'm going to give us a moment. You can close your eyes or bow or reread it, whatever you want to do. But we're going to be still and think and pray and reflect on that. In the light of Jesus' goodness and grace, show me, God, what progress you're leading me toward. Let's take a moment. And next, the prayer is, Jesus, let me rest in your mercy. Remind me that as I see the truth about where I am, your mercy endures forever. So whatever progress we have made, haven't made, however we feel about that, whatever sins or mistakes or failures or whatever is in that, lack of progress or whatever came up in that time of reflecting, 
whatever it is, rest in the mercy of God. finally, Jesus, let me become through your grace. Let me become through your grace. Let your favor for me animate me and stir me toward real growth and transformation. Cultivate mature love in my spirit for you, for myself, for others. Inspire me with the unending possibility of my own becoming. Why don't you reread that to yourself? Hold those words in your heart for just a moment. Yes, God, let us see by your light what it is you're showing us where there is progress to be made. God, eradicate our fear around that. And if there are places that we feel like there's been failure or sin, let us trust you with that. Let us trust you that your mercy is real, that it's for real that it's the truth, that forgiveness is who you are and what you do. And then, God, let us become through your grace. Let us be animated by your favor for us, that you love us and you, and you like us. You like us and you love us. Let that stir us into our own becoming. We thank you that you're the God of growth, the God of newness and progress. We thank you that there is mercy and grace and light for the journey. That you never leave us or forsake us on the journey. Help us to take these things and ponder them in our hearts. Discuss them if we need to. Pray through them and come back and continue to engage this wholeheartedly to listen, to engage as you invite and encourage and, and, and challenge us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.